Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, your Wednesday edition. Hopefully, you guys are doing well, having a great week. Your host, Jake Burns. And as you know, the big news of the day is that Deshaun Watson decides and is is released, interestingly enough, by Tony Busby, who is representing the women who have filed the complaints, lawsuits against Watson, 25 lawsuits have been filed since 2021. One was dropped because the plaintiff uh, decided to drop it when the when the judge ruled the petition had to be amended with her name. So 24 technically here. Uh, Busby said today that 20 of those were worked out in a settlement. This is what Busby's direct words were. We are working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we have done so, those particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of the settlements are confidential. And there's a bunch of numbers just kind of floating out there that aren't, uh, you know, verified at all uh, if you look at social media. But Busby said we won't comment any further. So 20 of the 24, not including, obviously, four here, that Ashley Solis, which is the first woman who made the claims against Watson and said on HBO's show that she would not and this is what Busby confirmed to Cleveland Radio that, that they would not con- they would not settle for any amount of money. So those go forward. It seems as though they have settled the other 20 to eliminate some uh, lack of clarity the NFL might have. And look, you can do whatever you want. You can say the NFL uh, nudged Watson in this direction to get it over with. Uh, you could say the Watson team wanted to just get it over with. You can say this is an admission of guilt because... Essentially, Watson had been saying consistently, I want to clear my name, I want to clear my name, I plan to clear my name, and now this happens, 20 settlements happen. This can work in whatever direction you want to work it in. you got to live in reality, though. There are two outcomes here. The Watson side, for many reasons, could see a benefit to just getting this stuff to go away. Not drawing out courtroom appearances, the distractions, not having certain things come to light uh, that, that maybe are both could be true or false in a courtroom, all of those things could come to light. And they don't want to have that happen. The easiest thing here is to settle, get it to go away, unfortunately, for lack of a better word there, go away. The the victims in this scenario receive monetary return for the, the trials and tribulations that they went through. That's unfortunately the only means for anything for them as the criminal element was proven not to be a worthwhile case for two areas down in Texas. So what we have here is, in my opinion, a step forward. Now, it's not over. These four other women, these other cases that we have not seen settlements on could continue to push it to trial no matter what. So it's not over. But the settling of 20 of these does mean it's a step in the right direction toward closure for everybody involved, including you as fans, including me as someone covering the team, uh, just we just want it to go forward. Whatever the pu- the punishment is, we know from now at this point what is on the line with these punishments, where it could go. Again, you could say the NFL pushed Watson in this direction to try to 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 put a bow on this issue so they can make their decision. You might be right, you might be wrong. I don't know, uh, but in this case. The only way everybody moves forward from all accounts, the NFL, the accusers, Watson, is that they get some closure for this. So I don't know about the other four 
Those are looming out there. They loom pretty large in this situation because it is not finality for the NFL to make their final ruling on a suspension, which continues to seem like a mid-May type of, sorry, a mid-May, a mid-July type of decision. It's still got some loose ends there that could result in some form or fashion of a problem. We'll see what happens ultimately, but uh, for, for the most part, we got some sort of step in the direction of moving on from all of this. And that moving on is going to mean different things for different people. I totally understand that. Some of you may hate this decision from Watson. Some of you may like it. Uh, but but this is, again, to me, the first real step, tangible step we've seen toward this situation being a part of the past. The punishment coming is the big thing, but we uh, at least got some figure that, that this was going in that direction. And it's amazing that nobody broke it, that Busby was the one who put out the information. Jake Trotter put it out from ESPN. He was the first one that I saw actually cover that letter from Busby. So it, it didn't get out, and there weren't many people hinting at this. And usually it seems like there are some people hinting at this. But, yeah, the settlement's always made the most sense. You get the suspension, you get it over with, and, and the Browns and everybody else try it just has to move on. You know, you move on. So we'll see what decisions are still looming. But to me, at least for the sake of coverage and not talking about the same thing over and over again, it was a step in the right direction. If you have missed recent podcasts, we have talked about the running back room. We're going to put a bow on that today with a couple players, three players exactly, that are on the current Browns roster. Uh, They're going to be there for training camp. And we'll see what decisions get made with these guys. But we did a couple podcasts so far. Nick Chubb and the ridiculous stats surrounding his career so far and his outlook this year. Did that two days ago with Corey Kennan. Yesterday's episode included my projections for the second running back situation with Kareem Hunt and with Dearness Johnson. Gave my thoughts on it. Totally understand where people are coming from in several different uh, aspects of that decision. Uh, covered it from a receiver standpoint, why I don't believe the running backs should be receivers, and that element is overblown to me. But also had Jack Duffin on, who's an OBR colleague, to do his insight on it because he wrote an article. Check out that article. Listen to those pods. Today we talk about three players. Jerome Ford, who I feel like is a roster lock. Demetrius Felton, who I also feel like is a roster lock and still listed as a running back despite going through multiple experiences in his first year as a wide receiver way more so as a wide receiver than running back and continuing to do individual drills and get reps in this uh this mini camp ota sessions as a wide receiver he's a hybrid he's a football player they have talked about this they continue to say it they're not going to commit him to any one position as of now and if they did i feel like it'd be wide receiver but they're listing him as a running back just don't overthink it it's not a big deal he's a football player he'll play special teams he can play receiver when they need it They don't seem to have a depth issue at running back, so it doesn't feel like they're going to pigeonhole him as a running back. The receiver aspect, based on the skill at the position wide receiver, which we're going to start breaking down tomorrow, is not all too deep, and he has the most set of opportunity at that position. And to me, we talk about, hey, let's get Kareem Hunt receiving opportunities, or Nick Chubb's not a bad receiver. No, man, those opportunities should go to Demetrius Felton because he actually partakes in the training required to be a wide receiver that runs routes, right? So if you're going to have him on the field, he can line up in the backfield. He can be an interesting personnel piece uh, that, that, that gives defense some fit. So I really like that aspect. But let's dive into each of these in a moment. We're going to check in with our sponsors real quick. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the first one we're going to hit on from a pseudo-veteran perspective is John Kelly, all right? So John Kelly only played in one regular season game, and that's when he was brought up from the practice squad in that Denver-shortened, really tough game where COVID hit, injuries hit. That was the game that uh, Dearness Felton obviously had, uh, sorry, Dearness Johnson had his breakout in that game. Uh, In the midst of that one, Kelly had a carry that went for over 10 yards. He had one carry that went for over 10. Uh, On that game, he had two attempts, 13 yards. Like I said, that one rush that went for 12 that accounted for his one 10-plus rush, rushing yard performance of the season. Most of John Kelly's work has been in the preseason throughout his NFL career. In 2021 with the Browns, he had a really nice preseason. I mean, not overwhelmingly nice. He ran 27 times for 87 yards, but you could see parts of the game that we really like from him. He was rough in that Jacksonville game where I thought he didn't have quite the feel for where to push the football in terms of uh, the course and wide zone because they ran a lot of wide zone in preseason last year. Not not a ton of gap stuff, but he uh, actually, if you take out the first game against Jacksonville where he struggled, he had eight attempts for negative one yard as they couldn't get much going. He got much better the next two games where he went nine carries, 58 against the Giants in the preseason and 10 for 30. I like John Kelly's a physical runner, gets downhill, can do the baseline stuff at the position, catches the football decently and the screen game stuff, which I like to to see. But he is con- going to continue to me to be a practice squad body. He's not, especially with the depth of this uh, overall position group, not going to be a guy that makes the roster. So um, shout out to John Kelly. Keep working hard. I think he's got a chance to continue to be a practice squad elevation type, but he's just not going to fit in a very deep running back room in Cleveland. He's obviously a very cuttable contract, league minimum guy. He's going to be 26 at the start of the season. Eh, really, at the beginning of the season, he turns 26. So he's still relatively young, but the NFL life is sort of shrinking for him there for any real action. We talked a little bit about Demetric Felton. Uh, he's an interesting player. Last year, he only really had, uh, like I said, most of his, his carries were uh, in in preseason where he saw, I think, upwards of 15 carries in the preseason. But in the regular season, he only saw seven carries for 24 yards. So that's not where much of his action went. He only had 41 running back snaps charted by Pro Football Focus in general. So that's not very many. 
Uh, but you look at the receiving stats, that's where you can find out a little bit more about Felton. I mean, he had 18 catches on 21 targets, was really effective as that sort of slip screen slot receiver who, uh, you know, we made the huge run, catch and run against the Texans. I believe that one ended up being like a 30, it might have been a 33-yard touchdown where he just made several players miss. It was a really cool highlight play in that game. But he was relatively consistent with opportunities, you know, three targets, two targets. He never had more than four in a game. But he maximized what he was given uh, according to the short routes that were run. He ended up with a 78.4 receiving grade highlighted by three games uh, in which he went over 80. Actually, strike that four games in which he went over 80 total grade. His receiving grade up over 70 for several of those games. I think I'm counting seven or eight here. So pretty good overall. Like I said, 18 catches on 21 targets, a buck 82, two touchdowns, a second touchdown came in week 18 when he caught another little slip screen from the slot uh, which I really like that part of his game he had 63 slot snaps on the season 15 as a wide out wide receiver so split wide he had four in line kind of tight to the line of scrimmage you like the 204 yak yards which obviously if he had 181 receiving yards the 204 yards after catch speak to the screen game and how effective he was there you really like that number he only had two drops uh, but he did miss uh, force six missed tackles to happen too. So again, to me, Demetric Felton like the player. Think he's got a role here. People have tried to say he's a camp cut. Like I, I'm not in any way, shape, or form seeing that. He's only going to be 24. He turns 24 uh, August 16th. So this season will be a young, still 24 season. I think he's got a bunch of special teams upside, even though he did not quite pan out the way people hoped to immediately. Those special teams, he had 41 total returns, 32 punt returns, and then he had nine kick returns. He had 172 kick return yards, a long of 28. 19.1 is his average. 7.1 yards per return on the punt side. He muffed four kicks, and I think the muff stuff, he had two muffed uh, kick returns, sorry, punt returns against Baltimore at home. He's got to get used to that wind. I think he can still be a nice punt returner. Obviously, Jakeem Grant's going to take that role. They're going to really push Felton to earn those jobs instead of being handed to him. But I think he still has upside here. I mean, I really do. I don't, I don't think you should just eliminate him from kick and punt return. I definitely think he's got a lot of opportunity to, put, to still have this be a part of the future of his game. So I would imagine they'll continue to work him in this aspect. I think that would be a really nice thing for him. Special teams in general... He got a lot of snaps and a lot of different things. He was uh, 68 snaps on kick return, 53 on kick coverage, punt return 45, punt coverage 33. So you're talking about 199 special team snaps this year, which is a big deal. It was relatively strong in most of those games. Uh, ended with a 66 overall, which is a quality special teams grade. He had three tackles, two assisted tackles. So, I mean, he's a big part of this stuff. And we talk about year-to-year turnover on special teams and why – he's going to be a continual part of this thing is because he's a willing special teams participant, right? And that means he's got value. And I think continuing to keep him involved in that special team stuff obviously brings an immense amount of value for him. Then you shift to Jerome Ford as the last player who I continue to say, like, like uh, as with any fourth round running back, it would take, uh, and I'm sorry, actually I think he was a fifth rounder is what he ended up being. It's not impossible for a fifth round running back to be cut, but we all think Ford has a lot of skill here. I don't, I don't think that's uh, something you can question. He ended up with 202 receiving yards and has gotten many compliments from scouts, and I, I really liked his film as a receiver when given the opportunity. Screens, quick throws, I'm all about that. I don't like lining him up wide, but I think he's got a really nice knack for running some coverage beaters from that position at the right time 
like a wheel route. So that's a nice little part of his comfortability on the football field should they give him that opportunity. But again, I'm not predicating roster spots on running back or roster value uh, or contract-based value on whether a wide receiver, sorry, a running back can handle running routes. It's just not a big thing anymore. But it is a nice little niche for a running back to be able to handle. So back to the uh, the, the moment here with, with, with Ford, he's... Uh, 1,307 yards last year, which is a great season, and a really, really great Cincinnati season, as we know, making the college football playoff. 214 carries, 6.1 yards per attempt. Those are all numbers you love. 19 touchdowns. You definitely are into that. He's elusive. 32, sorry, um, 52 missed tackles forced. I like that. He got a nice mixture of zone and gap schemes, inside zone more than anything else, but they did run and sprinkle in some wider zone concepts in Cincinnati, which that offense was interesting hybrid that they ran there he had 32 carries of 10 plus yards so he has that breakaway ability 15 15 yard carries 539 yards on those breakaway runs 69 overall first downs again a number you really really like to see yards after contact 656 which is a 3.07 number for uh, yards after contact per attempt his long, both uh, his 2020 and 2021 season, he had 79-yard rushes for touchdowns. So he can break away. He can get down the football field and is a really nice player at that level. I think he's going to fit in well. He's obviously going to get opportunities galore in camp in the preseason as most, uh, you know, the Browns don't want to burn out their two and three big backs. But, uh, you know, you want to continue to see what he can do, right? What What type of player... He can be, especially early on when you're trying to decide if you're going to keep a guy involved a lot. You know, what's he? What's his rookie role going to be? Is there a spot for him? I would, like I said, I would imagine there is a spot for him. He's too good a football player, in my opinion. And they're looking forward at the running back room instead of backward. And I think they're going to continue to uh, to make him a part of things. But just a little more background on Ford in case you didn't know. Uh, it's pretty well covered that he was a big-time four-star recruit out of Florida, went to Alabama, his complimentary back, his first season with the Bearcats after transferring over. I think the things you like most about him is that vision, power, decision-making stuff, which is big, uh, you know, really, really important part of what the Browns offense needs their running backs to do. He's a bigger back, but he's got that second gear, which is kind of similar to what you'd like to hear in Nick Chubb. He can, he can get down the football field. When he gets to the second and third level, he can still run away from DBs who don't have the greatest angle on him, right? So you really like to see that. You like that uh, initial vision, that initial decision-making, which is which is imperative in this offensive structure. He's outstanding in pass protection, too, when I watched him. Really good pass protector, uh, which, which is really, uh, when he gets locked into those one-on-ones, he can handle a guy blitzing. I think that's a really imperative part. Not, not necessarily always the best at diagnosing, but when he does diagnose, I think he does a really good job. And like I said, not a guy that you're afraid to put on the football field on third down. Uh, and I, I think he can also handle short yardage situations because he has a nose for kind of finding that initial crease. So I like Jerome Ford. I think he's a lock. I think you're looking at five receivers, sorry, five running backs. Whether you want to include Felton as uh, as that running back, that's your that's your choice. It's uh, like I said, he's listed here as a running back. So that's your choice to make on what you want to label it if you want to call it five. The only other question becomes Johnny Stanton, right? So the only fullback listed on the roster is Stanton. We all like Stanton a good bit. He got a little bit of time last year. We know that uh, we know that he had the opportunity to catch a touchdown in that Denver game, which was a really big touchdown. 
in the moment. Really cool for for Stanton, who I know you know Browns fans really like him. He's like I said, had 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 really nice opportunity to get on the football field. The Andy Janovich thing did not work out. They just didn't use him enough. So to me, it's kind of hard to see Johnny Stanton making the roster as they get a little tighter here. He could be the guy who takes over that fourth position role. It was going to a tight end, so making him a fullback tight end hybrid, kind of taking last year where they had Janovich and four tight ends, making that fullback the fourth tight end and just eliminating that extra collateral there to include another running back like Ford. I think it can make sense. So last year, seven total snaps on the season for Stanton. He played in Arizona, Denver, New England, where he was active. He had a couple catches on the year. He had a six-yard catch against Arizona. And then he had that seven, uh, sorry, against uh, week seven against Denver. He had that short touchdown catch too. So he's going to add the element as a blocker. He's not a gifted runner of the football. They did give him a couple carries for five yards, short yardage there in that nighttime primetime game against Denver where he caught that touchdown as well. So again, I mean, special teams upside, he can handle that stuff. He's a, he's a hustler, uh, obviously can handle all the athleticism needed for a guy who can run down and handle kickoffs or punt team or punt coverage, all of that stuff. He could be a wing on your field goal team. He could handle all of it, but it's a matter of if they think they want to carry that because the fullback position was just so eliminated by the end of the year. And if we look back at Andy Janovich to see how many snaps he ended up playing by the end of the year, it's really hard to justify that player. Last year, Janovich was active for a, a majority of the season. He missed that week six, seven, eight stretch, but he was only on the football field 58 snaps of offensive football last year, where he was on the football field in 2020, 119 snaps. So the evolution of the offense, the desire to have more athletic football players on the field, Stefanski has sort of eliminated that player. So you know, Stanton, like I said, can be a decent uh, hybrid type. I mean, if you look at his preseason, he was doing a bunch of different stuff for them. He was catching the football from a wing tight end position. He had six targets in the preseason. He had 51 receiving yards. He ended up dropping one football, which I recall in that Jacksonville game. But he was doing different things and lining up in uh, a variety of alignments and even playing that sort of inline tight end or that uh, we used to call it a U-back, utility back, which was sort of a second tight end. He did run the football a little bit too. He had 10 carries kind of as a backfield body for 23 yards. So he's very baseline. I think he blocks okay, uh, blocks well enough that if you put him on the football field in the backfield, if you wanted to run some fullback stuff, you could. But that position is interesting to me. I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. I would feel like it's a guaranteed non-roster spot if I felt the Browns had better consistency behind the first two tight ends and Njoku and Harrison Bryant. I don't know who the third and fourth tight end is going to be or if they keep a fourth, who the third guy is going to be. And if they only keep three, does that mean that Stanton ends up staying on the roster because he can do a bunch of different stuff and be a special teams contributor and all of that? That remains to be seen. But I can see both directions. I lean toward not keeping Stanton. I don't think the fullback is necessary for this offense. We'll see what they ultimately do. So that wraps up the running back room preview. The The mystery kind of hangs out there. I think John Kelly's an absolute stone cold, not going to make the roster. There's no question to me that Ford and Felton make the roster. It's just how you want to characterize Felton. And then the real question sits with Johnny Stanton and what they're going to do with that fullback tight end uh, kind of four or last year. Like again, last year they kept five total between fullback and tight end. Are they going to keep four total between those two or maybe even only three? That's uh, that's an interesting little roster fringe bubble that might not matter. It's not going to matter to winning very much, 
But it is interesting to see who makes the 53 and what utilization can be done. That's a wrap for today's episode, guys. Thanks for checking in. That wraps up running back. We've done running back now. We've done quarterback. We'll shift to wide receiver tomorrow. I have John Colosimo lined up for an evening recording, so should get that out to you first thing in the morning. Fingers crossed everything works out with that. Thanks for checking in today. Thanks for checking out all the stuff at the OBR. Reminder, Barry McBride put out a great article talking about the Deshaun Watson situation. That is up for your viewing pleasure should you so choose. And a reminder that we have uh, some other things out there like the Browns signing Dakota Allen, which we will talk about Dakota Allen when we get to the linebacker preview coming up. Um, That probably hits in July, so we'll cover him when we get to that point. Otherwise, thanks for checking out everything today and supporting the OBR. Like I said earlier, have a great Wednesday, and appreciate your support, guys. Go Browns. Go Browns.